Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ray and Tay Today. Talking sports with friends. Bella, just talk about sports. Here it is, y'all. We're on the air. Sit on the sofa, throw your hands in the air. We're talking sports so you can come on and listen. NFL predictions, what you're missing, nothing. We got you covered for college football too. Every fantasy football. Friday you could get what you need to hear. Mondays and Fridays, we're always here. Live on. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are here to preview the AFC and NFC. I guess we should say it the other way around since the NFC plays first. The NFC and AFC championship games, talk about some of the postseason awards, and even some of the coaching moves. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our show. Ray, this is going to be fun. We have the 49ers against the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC, the Cincinnati Bengals, who've won three in a row against the Kansas City Chiefs, at the Kansas City Chiefs. And I guess starting off, before we get into the games and we get to the other stuff, but I guess the the theme for this weekend, who has the most to lose by not getting to Super Bowl 57? Coach, quarterback, give me your your initial thoughts. Who has the most to lose by not advancing? Wow, that's that's an interesting question. So it's easy to say who has the most to gain. Um, (laughs) I tell you what, you know who might have the most to lose is Jalen Hurts. Mm. And I'll tell you why. He is a guy who – has been up and down, right? He, he's, at, he's at Alabama, and then Tua comes in and wins that championship game against Georgia. He transfers to Oklahoma. And then he has a great season in Oklahoma, and then he's a, a second-round pick. And then he's sitting behind Carson Wentz, and then he takes the job, and then he gets hurt. and then So he's up for a – because he's not a first-round pick and there's no fifth-year option, he's up for a big payday next year. And the after next season, that is – so the question is, are they going to pay him like Deshaun Watson, we talked about this off air, or are they going to start nickel and diming and try to keep him for a lot less than that, you know, Kirk Cousins type money, call it. Uh, so I think this is a big game. They have the number one seed. They're playing against a rookie number seven overall quarterback who's not Tom Brady yet in Brock Purdy. And they <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. Wait, respect that Mr. man's name. Mr. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. So to me, Jalen Hurts has a lot to lose if he loses this game for the contract and for, you know, uh, uh, frankly, disappointment in Philadelphia. Look, San Francisco's a very good team. But you got to think the minute that Brock Purdy is starting and McCaffrey's a little banged up, and they're not at full strength. The Eagles have to feel confident, and if they lose this game, that might hurt Jalen Hurts the most. 
Well, now he's a young I kind of agree with you. Back. I, I don't have any problem with that. But right now, going into what is essentially a show me, you know, year and a contract year, he's my pick. Okay. Well, I will say he's shown improve. He would be the MVP if he didn't get hurt. So I have to disagree because I think Jalen's kind of already shown who he is and what he's done with this team. I have to say the person who has the most to lose is Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes, yes, Patrick Mahomes, five AFC championship games, um, an MVP, a Super Bowl title. But Patrick Mahomes is big game hunting and fishing for the exclusive room with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, and Otto Graham. And Joe Cool Cool is the other side of the pillow borough, who's named it Arrowhead Burrowhead. He comes in there, hurt or not, comes in there, outplays you, and Lou Marilla beat you. Hurt or not, plan so then you're not, you're not hurt, and his name will be Joseph Burrow. And he will take Patrick Mahomes, who could potentially win the MVP, take his number one spot as the number one stunner in the NFL. That would belong to Mr. Joe Burrow. So I think you know Patrick what? Mahomes. Oh, yeah. I like your He's analysis. I like your analysis. And we're going to talk about the awards, but I'll just reveal that we both think that Patrick Mahomes should win the regular season MVP. I will yes. say one thing. If he didn't mangle up his ankle and hobble off the field last week, I would 100% agree with you. So now I can only 47% agree with you because less than 50 because he's not full strength. And I can't knock him for, some, for, for a high ankle sprain, which a lot of times keeps people out for two, three weeks. He's playing seven days later. So, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, and if he was full strength, maybe I would be more on board with that. But Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. If he loses this game, of course everybody's going to, you know, take a picture of his ankle and put it on Instagram. But he, he's still Mahomey, and he's still the number one baller in the NFL. So I, I, I got you, but, but it, it would cement his legacy. But I don't think if he loses, it hurts his legacy. Doesn't hurt it, but in terms of where we're at in this, you know, 24-hour news cycle and, you know, checking in on who's the best every, you know, season and this and that, yeah, Joe Burrow, he's already ahead of Josh Allen. He's quieted that noise. And if he beats Mahomes 4-0 and against Mahomes, yeah, we got to start to think about that. So let's get to some, you know, kind of current NFL news, and we'll get to the Hall of Fame. We already said we have Patrick Mahomes MVP, but two controversial, potentially controversial hires uh, in offseason. So we got Nathaniel Hackett, who had the worst offense in Denver. Cannot believe he's hired <laughs> as an OC for our New York Jets in the hopes to maybe lure a Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, to the Jets, which could be fool's goal. I just I can't fathom it. I've had Jet fans text me. The last two days who were irritated and noisated and upset and disgusted. I just, I, this man doesn't deserve probably another hire, at least for th- this quickly. 
And then you look at the counterpart. How about an offensive coordinator who just won a Super Bowl two years ago? Will Byron Leftwich get that luxury, right? Because it always comes up as, you know, black head coaches, black OCs, not getting the same consideration as their, you know, Caucasian counterparts. And this could be a great example of that. Same with Frank Wright, who got fired. And, you know, you could argue, did he deserve it or whatever? You know, I, I thought the coach should have kept him. What happened there wasn't necessarily his fault. I think he's a good head coach. But he gets hired for the Carolina Panthers, and all Steve Wilkes did was almost get the Panthers into the playoffs after them trading away their number one stunner, Christian McCaffrey, their best wide receiver, Robbie Anderson, to the Cardinals. And this guy Never turns a around a job without – yeah, without a coach. had to get rid of Baker, go to the Rams – Sam Darnold and, 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 and Walker coming in, and he gets them to literally the last game of the season for a shot to make the playoffs. Steve Wilkes, I got to believe, and I think he contacted a lawyer, they said, he deserved a really legit chance at that coaching job or another one. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on those two hires and just sort of this situation um, that we deal with every offseason with coaching jobs and, head, and OCs and all that? So I don't have a problem with Frank Reich. I think he's a, he's a very qualified uh, head coach. He's an offensive-minded head coach in a league where quarterback is by far the most important position probably in all of sports. Uh, to have an offensive-minded head coach, a guy that played at Carolina, a guy that was a head coach, probably shouldn't have even been let go in Indianapolis. He's more than qualified, Right. It's not like yep. they pulled some cattle off the street and put him in there. So He's not a Cliff Steve Kingsbury. Steve Wilkes is also qualified and probably should get a head coaching job. You know, I don't know if he'll make it in this cycle because there's only five. Maybe it'll have to be next year. So that one doesn't bother me as much. And he did do a great, a great job uh, of resurrecting the, the season for Carolina when they fired Matt Rule, who I told you wouldn't last more than a few years. Um, yeah. Being a program builder in college is not the same as being a program builder at uh, you know at Baylor is not the same as being a program builder in Carolina. And so David Tepper was like, "All right, we didn't see the you know we didn't see the funky dividend, so we need to move." And on. remember, he gave him a big deal off the bat. We were both shocked a by the big deal. deal. Yeah. A big deal after after he had coached at Temple and Baylor. And I'm like, "All right, with all due respect, that's not Carolina, and that's not the NFL." Having said that, the Nathaniel Hackett one bothers me more. Um, This dude, now, the the one argument is that Aaron Rodgers won two of his three MVPs, the back-to-back ones right now, uh, with Nathaniel Hackett in, uh, in Green Bay, right? Okay, I get that. However... But what wait, wait, but you? could have won that with Tom Rayside or Eric That's Taylor true. in those seats. <laughs> That's true. I would have called some plays. First of all, Aaron Rodgers called his own plays, right? <laughs> like the head, the coach Matt Lafleur and uh, and Hackett say stuff in the you know in the headset, and uh, Aaron Rodgers does his own thing for better or for worse. Yeah. Let's keep it real. Tough guy to coach. <laughs> yeah. So. But that's one thing. But what did he do in Denver except fall on his face and have a horrible, horrible time in Denver? So nothing leads you to believe that he'll bounce right back and be the man and be a, essentially a program builder on offense in New York. 
Now, if you're telling me that this is your way to get Aaron Rodgers, you didn't get Aaron Rodgers in Denver. You didn't get him to go to Denver. You had to trade to get Russell Wilson. But I, I don't like this one at all. Um, I, look, it's a high flyer. We could argue whether Aaron Rodgers is even realistically in the running to come to New York. I mean, they'd have to pay him $50 million or I think it's 58 is his number this year. So He did say he's they, willing to rework his contract. But I think if we're being honest, we've talked about this, he's better off in the NFC, less competition at the quarterback position. The AFC is loaded with like seven or eight arms and dudes at the position. And to me, Brady and Rodgers, if they're going to play, they need to keep their old butts in the NFC, period. <laughs> if you want to win a championship, right? And those two really do just want to win a championship because that's what Tom does, right? He's been to 10, he won seven, and, and, and Rodgers really needs to win that second one to jump into that elite category. There are a lot of guys – I can't believe that we're at Super Bowl 57, by the way. Woo! Uh, that just shows how, how we're getting up there <laughs> in age. But, but there's a lot of dudes that have won one Super Bowl, right? There's a lot of, like, Brad Johnsons and Trent Dilfer. Not, not that Aaron Rodgers is those guys, right? Right, Drew guys, Brees. Right? Four MVPs. But Brees, there are a lot of guys that won one Super Bowl. But you start to go into two, and that's, you know, that's the minimum, I think, it's, especially when Peyton Manning got his second – and Elway got his second. That's the minimum you need to be in that, you know, in that caviar class, right? You can eat a steak, but do you want to be caviar? That you need that second Super Bowl. So I think Aaron Rodgers knows that and feels that. I would definitely agree. So why don't we get into some of these awards? Why don't you start off with reading off the finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and then we can kind of you know, come to a, a prediction for our five. We already did the MVP Mahomes. Let's get to the Hall of Famers, and then we can get the coach and defense because this is a, a really fascinating list, ladies and gentlemen. Ray, why don't you hit us up with that one? Yeah, so the Hall of Fame finalists this year are Jared Allen, defensive end, Willie Anderson, remember, offensive tackle, Rondé Barber, defensive back, Played his whole career in Tampa. In fact, I think he and has great the- stats as interceptions and sacks. He's the leader of that position. Yeah, for a cornerback, I think he has something like 25, 30 interceptions and almost as many sacks. Uh, yeah. Dwight Freeney, great pass rusher, extraordinaire. Devin Hester. It'd be interesting to see if a basically a uh, special teams guy gets into the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, he definitely deserves it. Corey Holt. Maybe not this time around, but he deserves to get in. Greatest show on turf wide receiver. Andre Johnson, man among boys uh, for many, many years with the Texans. Ended his career with, with Indy uh, and quick run with Tennessee. Uh, Albert Lewis, remember him? Cornerback. The Chiefs. Chiefs. It was great. Yeah. Darrell Revis, Revis Island, started in New York, ended up going to Tampa. and then uh, One of the best corners ever. Chiefs, and one yeah. with the Patriots Joe, and Brady, yeah. Joe Thomas, also another guy that played his whole career with one team. So I think Barber and Thomas played their whole career with one team. Oh, there are a few more. Patrick Willis did. Reggie Wayne did as well. But Joe Thomas, off, you know, nine-time Pro Bowler uh, offensive tackle. Zach Thomas, linebacker for the Miami Dolphins and then played one year with the Cowboys. Yeah, he's the hall of very good. 
Yes, agree. Don Sutton, maybe, but not a Hall of Famer. DeMarcus Ware, Cowboys, and then ended his career with the Broncos. Getting the Super Bowl. Uh, finally getting that ring, exactly. Reggie Wayne, part of that crazy, explosive Indianapolis Colts offense for 13 years. Patrick Willis, a guy that only played eight NFL seasons but was an All-Pro in seven of them. And then finally, Dallas, uh, Dallas's own safety, Darren Woodson. Great player, too. So I'm going to take a stab at it first. I mean, it's a challenging list. And I think, to me, the first three for me are kind of automatic. Joe Thomas, Darrell Reavers, and Demarcus Ware. And then I've got to put in, I think I might go for Patrick Willis in his second year. Uh, Incredible linebacker. Great player, almost won a Super Bowl, lost to the Flacco and Ray Lewis Ravens. And then I would go with... with the lights going out. Remember that? In New Orleans? Oh, the my gosh. Now, <laughs> Beyonce put out the lights, right? Uh... Yeah, so I, I, would have to, I would have to throw in a receiver. They usually try to spread it around. So if you got Joe Thomas and Demarcus Ware, you got the offensive-defensive line, you, you, know, you have Patrick Willis, the linebacker, you have Darrell Revis, the, the you know, corner. Then I'm, I'm, I'm going to put in a receiver. And it's hard, but I think they kind of like to do some sort of pecking order. And for me, I think he's been there the longest waiting. And I've got to go with Torrey Holt. I mean, the greatest show on turf. He was a possession receiver, but at the same time, the yak, the yards after catch was tremendous. And he caught every big third down for Kurt Warner and their playoff run in that season, all the seasons he played there. I mean, Torrey Holt was, and then even after Isaac Bruce retired, Torrey still carried it with Ricky Prohl and other receivers as a legit number one. So that would be my five. I would go with where. Thomas, Revis, Holt, and Patrick Willis. What do you got? I can't argue with any of that. Um, the only argument I would make potentially is if you're going to put DeMarcus Ware in, Jared Allen was sort of just as impactful on the defensive line. But he don't he have the jewelry. He doesn't. He doesn't. He jumped around. He was on a very good Kansas City Chiefs team and then went and got paid in Minnesota, uh, played a quick year in Chicago, Um you know, so so that would be one. And I guess the other option would be the wide receiver, right? If you think about it, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, and Reggie Wayne are all roughly contemporaries and roughly had the same impact. Um, we talked a little bit about this off air. Andre Johnson did it by himself, right? <laughs> the other two were, were tandems, right? Holt had Reggie, I mean, uh, um, Holt had uh, Isaac, Isaac Bruce. Bruce and Reggie Wayne had Marvin Harrison. So, they both had great quarterbacks throwing to them, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, in, in Manning and, uh, and your boy from out there in Arizona. Kurt uh, Warner. Kurt Warner. But, you know, Andre kind of did it on his own. And oh, he yeah. was the highest draft pick of all of them, wasn't he, but second or third out of Miami. Um, so he, he had those expectations from day one, and he delivered. So he your did. picks are great. 
I can't I can't argue with them. I would say they'll keep Jared Allen and and potentially Andre Johnson in mind too. Definitely, I agree with that. So for Coach of the Year, we have uh, Sean McDermott for the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East again. Nick Soriani, the Eagles, getting the NFC East. Um, Doug Peterson taking the Jaguars from worst to first in their division and in the league, um, you know, with the number one pick. And we have the boy genius, Kyle Shanahan, for the Niners. Is that it? Or is and there Brian one more? Dable. Oh, and Brian Dable, who resurrected, not resurrected, brought life not only to the Giants, but to Daniel Jones, who could potentially. You know what he did? You know what he did? He saved Dave Gettleman's reputation. Because Gettleman's the guy <laughs> that drafted Jones and Barkley. Yeah, I don't know if he could save his reputation. He just validated that one pick. Gettleman's reputation is not so good. No, I know, but it would have been worse if they brought in some clown uh, and three years later fired him and then blew up the whole team. At least he got something out of Daniel Jones. I'm not look. You you know we we had no love for Gettleman even even back in Carolina, but yeah. um, he at least made that Daniel Jones-Saquon Barkley tandem, you know, brought him to the playoffs when nobody expected it. It was a great coaching job. So who would you go with? Woo, well, you know what? We have to admit, we talked a little bit about this off air, and I was going to go with Sirianni because, you know, to take that team with an unknown, an unknown Jalen Hurst, but nobody thought he was this good. Nobody thought he was this good, you know, in his third year. Um, to go to the Super Bowl, to have the best record if they win, obviously, to, to have the best record in the NFL. But you, you know, you talked me into Dougie Fresh because I yeah. forgot, I forgot the chaos that was in Jacksonville uh, when your boy Urban Meyer got booted. So it was chaos. a disaster. It was really a disaster. And, um, you know, he really was able to take a quarterback that even people started, you know, and this is too bad. People started to say, you know, is Trevor Lawrence really a number one overall pick? Is he uh, beginning the trend to become a bust? And, you know, he took him to the playoffs. He won the division, albeit, you know, in a depressed year. And that, that division was terrible this year. But, but to go from the ashes and to have the worst record in football and to have the number one overall pick two years but ago. But then to win a game. Uh, to beat the Chargers. To win a game, sure, and, and, and in, in tremendous fashion, right? They were down 27, and they won that game. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Doug Peterson is, is our guy, I got to say. Um, look, this is one of those years where they're all, uh, they're all worthy. I mean, even a guy like Kevin O'Donnell in, uh, in Minnesota was great. Uh, nobody expected them to slay the, the Green Bay Packers, but, yeah, I think Doug Peterson's the guy. No, you're right. I For me, it's Doug Peterson, 1,000%. Um, Shanahan deserves a lot with the third, really fourth-string quarterback because they also had, like, Nate Sunfeld on the roster. That's true. So That's to true. take Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, and to, you know, win the division and, and be in the NFC Championship, although it's a regular season award, is super impressive. But it's Dougie Fresh. The chaos, the correction, the massaging the quarterback, the, the use – of Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk and making them legit number one tight end and number one receivers. You know, I think um, they've got a great future. And I think you could see 
Peterson and Lawrence becoming like the next, you know, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes combo. So I actually wish wish them well, and I think they're going to do good with that. So let's move on to defensive player of the year. Who do you got? Who's the candidate? Defensive player of the year are three excellent players, obviously. Nick Bosa, 49ers, Chris Jones, Chiefs, and Micah Parsons from the Cowboys. What you got? Well, this one we may differ. I mean, I got respect for all three guys, and I think Micah Parsons is just – I don't like the LT comparison. That's blasphemous. He's not LT. He's he's something – And nobody is. (laughs) Nobody is, but he's Micah Parsons. He's LT. he is such a hybrid that he can do everything. But what I saw from Nick Bosa, and not just the sacks, but it's the tackle for losses. It's the hurries. It's the – dominance. Now, he wasn't so great against the run. I know you pointed that out to me, and I would have to agree with that. But we'll see how he does with that on Sunday. But I'll say this. He is like the number one stunner at rushing the quarterback and causing havoc and really rushing quarterbacks to throw it when the receivers are not at their spot. And that is a lot. He disrupts the game. So I got to give Nick Bosa defensive player of the year. Before I go to mine, I just want to throw a shout-out to parents that have two kids in the NFL, right? (laughs) The Bosa parents, the Watt parents, the St. Brown parents, and the the Diggs parents. The McCordy parents, right, and the Diggs. So that's five brothers we can think of right now. Like, how crazy between the genetics and, uh, you know, running kids around 15 years to do, you know, uh, uh, travel football. How oh, man. Shout out, to, you know, clap it out. Shout out to those Yeah, no, 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 definitely. We're, we're both one. fathers, and that you got to respect that. Not it's to incredible. get one, but to get two brothers in the end. And the Watts had three. I mean. For a minute, yeah, the Gronkowski's had three. But, yeah, but, but to just have two is, is unbelievable. And both of these Watts are, are – are cra- and the Bosa's, the Watts and the Bosa's are, are I mean, uh, wow. Anyway, so having said that, shout out to the parents. Um, I got to go with Michael Parsons, and not because if you go back to the Ray and Tay archives, I picked it before the year, but <laughs> his impact, even though he's not LT, and I hate that comparison because LT, you know, might be the best football player that's ever played. Now, granted, we got to talk about Tom Brady, and usually offense gets the glory. But, but this dude was, was, was a cyborg, you know, uh, in the 80s. And it, he's unbelievable. So, so any comparison to him is just unfair. But what Michael Parsons does, which is very similar to, uh, to LT, is you need to know where he is at all times. And that's why Joey Bosa – you know, moves around on the defensive line a little bit, you know, uh, could be better against the run. He's fantastic in, in creating chaos. I mean, in the Nick, don't, well, don't, don't be giving Joey no love. Joey ain't do nothing this year. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's like, Nick. Um, but Micah Parsons lines up as a linebacker, lines up as a DN. Now, this year is more DN than he was linebacker, but he's all over the place. So, you he stands up. He's in a three-point stance. He is the ultimate chaos a creator. So to me, he's a DW he, defensive weapon. He's a defensive weapon that the defensive coordinator 
Uh, the offensive coordinator, sorry, on the other team needs to know where he is at all times. Look, these are all great players. You're, you're splitting hairs, but I'd give it to Michael Parsons. So, offensive player of the year. Um, so, this is a weird one, right? Especially if you think the MVP is going to be Patrick Mahomes. So, isn't he automatically the offensive player of the year? But we won't Yeah, but there. they tend to so, like to spread it out. Right. And so you can look at Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. I'd, I'd have to give it to Justin Jefferson. Because Right, well, let me give everybody the candidate. So Tyreek okay. Hill, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomey. Yeah, and to me, I would, I would say Jalen Hurts if he didn't miss the last, what, he played the final game, but he missed two or three weeks. And yeah. to me, Justin Jefferson had a Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, T.O. special type of season set all types of records for the Vikings, which is more than impressive when you know their history of Ahmad Rashad, <laughs> Chris Carter, and Randy uh, Moore. All he does is catch okay. We got to shout out Ahmad Rashad, who played outdoors in the cold with Fran Tarkenton, yo. So to me, much respect and props to Justin Jefferson. He's my offensive player of the year, Ray. You know, it's hard to fight that, especially because I would love to give it to a non-quarterback at some point. Um, And and he's one of the few non-quarterbacks that can really step up. You know, I think there was a stat. There were only three non-quarterback MVPs in the last 30 years. They've all been running backs. Uh, But it's nice to get Justin Jefferson some love. I mean, he he really is – has elevated himself to, to the top dog at that position. So I, I like that pick. I like Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So any other awards you want to do to rookies or offense and defensive rookies? Yeah, sure. I mean, we could do it. Um, offensive rookie of the year is between Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker the third, the running back from Seattle, and our boy in New York, Garrett Wilson. And I'd have to go to Kenneth Walker. I mean, he was the glue for the Seahawks with Geno Smith. He, um, you know, he, he, he just he helped Seattle. Right, remember really when all their get... running backs went down, Rashad Penny, yeah. and, the, and they didn't know, who, you know how good Geno Smith would be. And the, the one stabilizing force back there was Kenneth Walker running the ball and receiving. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, defensive yeah. Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner for the Jets, Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions. So we're talking about – the, what is that, the second and the fourth pick in the draft, so people that were yep. expected to make an impact, and Tariq Woolen, the quarter, cornerback for the Seahawks. And I think we both agree on this one. I think it's, it's special sauce right there. Um, they were all great, but Sauce Gardner is like a, a pro bowler and a top two or three corner in the league right now, so he's got to get it. And then come back, we, it's McCaffrey, Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Geno Smith, and we both agree. Geno came back from, like, coffee at Starbucks. He came back from life, yo. That was the most impressive. They traded Russell Wilson, and everybody was down in Seattle. We all predicted them to be last in the NFC West, and Geno Smith was like, I'm going to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to the Pro Bowl game. And I'm going to be, what was he, number one or number two in accuracy? Top five. Yeah, he wasn't accuracy. even that accurate. He wasn't even that accurate at West Virginia. So no. my man came back from, like, uh, a career of, like, 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 he took a decade off 
and then came out. Christian McCaffrey regained his status as an elite runner. And Saquon Barkley justified the number two overall pick. But Geno Smith came back from life, you know? Yeah. (laughs) From from Morgan Town, West Virginia, you know? (laughs) No, it's it's really great. So let's start with the early game. It's time. The NFC, you know, you've got the Eagles hosting the Niners. The first thing for me, Ray – Soriani and Shanahan and, and Hertz and, and Brock Purdy and all these quarterbacks. Do you realize the average age is like 25? Mahomes is the oldest one at 27. This That's is incredible crazy. how young these guys are. Brock Purdy's from out here in Arizona, Mr. Irrelevant. But to me, the biggest thing is about can the Niners defense stop Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, Scott Gainwell, all these weapons, AJ, the running backs, AJ, AJ Brown, Brown, you know, Devontae, Devontae Smith, Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, Alice Goddard. So what, what's at play here? And the thing you need to watch in the first quarter is the trenches, the battle of the offensive and defensive lines. And a lot of people don't realize we talked about the defensive player of the year, but how about the whole Eagles defensive line? Everybody has at least 10 sacks. I can't remember or if ever that's been done before from and Fletcher they Cox. Too. They're so all deep. those boys. It's incredible. You know, and to me, you know, Lane Johnson and O line, the Eagles have a little bit of like nasty in them and the offensive defensive line that I just love that allows Jalen Hurts to get on the outside and what he'll need to do strategically to protect that shoulder, run out of bounds, or to slide on his left shoulder. They've been practicing that a lot. I think this game is going to kind of go back and forth. The question is, does Brock Purdy remain the hero to most like he's been, or does he revert back to a seventh-round pick when he's under pressure this game? And I think one of the issues that I have, Ray, Debo Samuels is a little banged up. Christian McCaffrey is a little banged up. The 49ers have not the injuries that are going to keep them out, but they've got nagging injuries where players have missed one or two days of practice this week. Okay, so that is something that you have to keep in mind. Kittle will be important, but I think Goddard, you know, Goddard can do similar stuff on the other side. And I think at the end of the day, this is actually going to be a defensive game. So field position is going to have to play a big role along with special teams. And I love what Shanahan can do as an OC and his coaching and trick plays, but don't underestimate the reverses, the trickery with Jalen Hurts and the, you know, RPOs. So I think at the end of the day, the Eagles are going to pull out a close game and get to the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts and Nick Soriani, who was talking about gardening and stuff, and people laughed at him a couple two years ago at his coaching conferences and you know press conferences and stuff like that. And the Philadelphia Eagles, the cheesesteaks will be alive in Philly. Rocky will ring the bell. Pat you're going to see. You're going to see. You're gonna see <laughs> definitely Geno's. You're going to see Julius Irving, Allen Iverson. Uh, you know, Donovan McNabb, Randall Cunningham might fly out, Mike Vick, everybody's going to step up. And I think the Eagles get the victory 20 to 16. 
Wow. So you have a low-scoring game. Basically, the Eagles, I guess they cover. I don't even know what the spread is now. The spread is um, two and a half. So they do cover. So low. Yeah, so they cover, and, and you're taking the under. So yeah. I, would, I would say all your analysis is beautiful. I love, I love when, when Tay does the analysis, you know. Mm-hmm. Let me analyze your analysis for you for a second. <laughs> I, think it comes, <laughs> I think it comes down to one factor. I mean, obviously a lot of factors, but I think that the, the critical, the tipping point, and why I agree with you that the Eagles are going to win, but I think they're going to win big, is the San Francisco offensive line. Because Philadelphia is going to bring the heat. So will Cincinnati. We'll talk about that game in a sec. The San Francisco offensive line is going to have to handle the onslaught of talent that Philadelphia has. Fletcher Cox and the boys are going to bring it on. And the problem that I see is that the only way San Francisco wins is if they have big plays. So if that seven-yard slant, the Debo goes for 60. And Mm -hmm. if Christian McCaffrey takes that little bubble screen for 40. And if, you know, they can get Brandon Ayuk, uh, you know, up the middle or if Kittle breaks a tackle. But here's the problem. I think Brock Purdy is going to be under pressure all game. And I think that Philly is athletic enough and they tackle very well that they are not going to give up the big play. So the combination of the pressure and getting Brock Purdy off his spot and on the run, look, there's a reason why he was a seventh-round pick. Not to say that you can't be Tom Brady. Not to say that you can't be – he looks to be a great player. You know you know, might have the most to win or lose? might be Trey Lance. Because <laughs> if Brock <laughs> Purdy takes him to the Super Bowl, Trey Lance just lost a lot. He lost some playing time for sure. Um, so who knows? But I just think that this offensive line is going to have their work cut out for them for the Niners, and this this Eagles D is too powerful and too quick and too big and forceful up front that they're going to cause San Francisco to play helter-skelter for the whole game. And I think, on the other hand, Philly's had a nice little prep the last two, three weeks how to play with the new, quote-unquote, the new Jalen Hurts, uh, one who's going to run a little bit less, one who's going to be a little bit more, you know, reserved, and maybe they don't run, you know, 10 RPOs, they run five. Uh, But he still has the talent to go traditional, right, get the ball out there, like you said, to to A.J. Brown and get the ball to Dallas Goddard and and the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. So I think Philly's going to have – a better time than Dallas scoring, right? Dallas can only score 12. But I think Philly's going to put up, let's call it 25 points. And I don't see San Francisco being able to score that well. So I have to, I have to score something like 25-17. And I think it, it'll be a relatively – for an NFC championship game, I think it'll be a relatively easy game. I think Philly's by far the better team. And given the fact that – like you said, uh, they're a little banged up. Unless you get huge plays from Ray Ray McLeod or from uh, or from Debo or from a banged up Christian McCaffrey, I think they just don't have enough juice. And Philly will win twenty five seventeen. So let me ask you this though, because I I don't know if there's that much of a roster difference. Would you feel the same way if Jimmy G was quarterback in this team? 
Look, these are the number one and number two defenses, so clearly they're both uh, great on defense, right? You're splitting hairs. So then it really comes down to the offensive side of the ball, and even though San Francisco has the roster to to match up with them in terms of playmakers, especially with Debo and, and McCaffrey, I don't think they've been there together as a group all year, right? McCaffrey came over midseason. Debo lost some games. Um, Ayuk and McLeod both got were banged up throughout the season, you know, at different times during the season. Right, right. So maybe next year, but I think right now that Philly offense is in sync. That Philly offense, I mean, besides Hurts missing a couple games, that Philly offense is basically the same construct. A.J. Brown had an all-pro season. Devontae Smith is a, is a fabulous 1A. Jalen Hurts is, is sort of the epitome of the new, you know, multi-threat RPO quarterback. So I think Philly is, as close as they are on defense, Philly is a notch ahead of them on offense. Okay. That, that, you know, and that's, to me, I think that that's what it, it comes down to, breaking these tackles and making the dynamic plays. But it's going to be fascinating because if the young kid gets some confidence and Kiddo and, like you said, Samuel and McCaffrey, those are the guys that can take it to the house. So the tackling is going to be extra important in Philly. But I agree. And, and maybe for the Niners, it's just a year away with Brady quarterbacking them next year for the same uh, roster with Tom Brady. How about that, Ray? <laughs> yeah. You know. So, well, let's go over to the NFC. I mean, to the AFC. Woo! Now, look, this is fascinating because obviously you're dealing with the Kansas City Chiefs who are really seeking revenge from last year where the Bengals kind of shocked the world, came up in their crib in Arrowhead, and just like ripped their heart out after that great win over Josh Allen and the Bills in overtime. So what we're seeing with Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid against Lou Amarillo, the, the Bengals defensive coordinator, is a matchup that lately the Bengals have been able to stifle a healthy Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs explosive offense. Right, so they're three and zero against this, this the Chiefs with with Joe Burrow, and one thing that I would say that people underestimate is how good Joe Mixon is. Not only can he run on the outside between the tackles, catch screen passes. This guy, he just he does it all, and. He kind of well, is. They're going to have to decide how they pay him next year, but that's another story. Uh, that's, listen, a, that's an after listen. the season story. To and me, I, I, make, I, I keep Joe Mixon because he's actually, you know, been fairly healthy, minor injuries, nothing like McCaffrey and Barkley. And he's, you know, he was a knucklehead before he got there, but he's been, you know, as far as you've heard, he's been like just a good guy on and off the field. And, what you have with Boyd Higgins and Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is right there with Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams as the top three receivers in the NFL. And Jamar Chase, in terms of his catch radius and difficult catches, he is special lure. This dude catches it, takes it to the house. He's super dangerous. And Joe Burrow, it almost doesn't matter when their O-line is banged up 
because that old line was terrible last year. This year, it was definitely improved, but they've had some injuries. I think one or two of the guys might be able to play. But overall, it, it, it doesn't seem to phase Joe Burrow. This dude is like walking in with a fur coat and sunglasses and got flip-flops on, and he's like in a gold chain, and he's like, yeah, I'm up here. I'm up here, KC. I'm going to have some barbecue chicken, and I'm kissing dudes. He's like, yo, Kelsey and Mahomes, I'm going to kiss your wife in the mouth. Yo. He's like straight up, and, 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 and cats can't say or do anything about it. He is awesome, talented, a night thug stuff. And I'm going to tell you, this kid to me with this defensive coordinator who should be getting mentioned like Domingo Ryan's for a head coaching job, by the way, quiet as kept. But I am so impressed with this team, this roster. Do I love Hilton and Eli Apple in the back end? No, not really. But they've gotten better. But their defensive line and Sam Hubbard is all over the place. Yeah, Hubbard, Reader, Hendrickson, Wilson, Hendrickson and yeah. Hill. These guys are all over the field, and they're balling. But on the other side, what Patrick has done in the MVP season without Tariq Hill, Kelsey has solidified that he's a Hall of Famer. You've got Marquez. You've got Juju. You've got Kadarius Toney, who the Giants gave up on too early. And let's give props to Isaiah Pacheco, who out of nowhere has become a legitimate 90-yard. Is that Freddie Pacheco's son? Listen. He plays like it because the way he goes down the field, he's like, boom, he's like a bowling ball. And I think, honestly, for the Chiefs to win this game, Pacheco has got to keep Joe Burrow off the field. Who, who could ever imagine saying that? Keep Patrick off the field? No, keep Burrow off the field. The Chiefs methodically go down the field because they don't have Tariq, but they also need to do it not just with the passing. I think to win this game with, with Patrick, you know, I would say he'll probably be at 75, 80%, but he's such a good po- pocket passer anyway. They, they really need Pacheco to, to protect him so he doesn't get hit early, and he needs to run 19 times for about 95 to 105 yards. But to say all this, I say, I think the Bengals go in the arrowhead and they put down their flag and the orange and black rain again, and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be in back-to-back Super Bowls and Super Bowl 57 against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they are going to win this game 27-26, either a final drive for a touchdown or a final drive for the go-ahead field goal by Mr. McPherson and... The Bengals are going to. By the way, who's had a shaky year, right? He, he he's did some field he goals really, this year. He really did. Now, not as bad as your boy in Dallas. No, who, no Maher. He didn't. He didn't get Maher the, might the not play like in the NFL Maher next did. season. Wow. I heard Maher. Maher. He's looking for a job in the USFL. <laughs> <laughs> he might need to play okay. soccer for a year, get his head right, and then come back because so, that was that was and twenty-seven, twenty-six, and twenty to sixteen. Bengals against the Eagles. Let's go. I, I got to tell you, there's so many subplots here. Um, one of them was we talked a little bit about keeping players. 
So the San Francisco, sorry, the um, Kansas City Chiefs are doing this with Patrick Mahomes being the highest paid quarterback. Um, now they traded away Tyreek Hill and they're giving him, you know, good receivers, but not a great receiver. So can you do, can that new model succeed? So Cincinnati still hasn't paid Burrow, still hasn't paid Chase, still hasn't paid Mixon, and they'll probably lose T. Higgins because they just won't have enough money. Um, but it'll be real interesting to see. That, so, so the Cincinnati Bengals, even though Joe Burrow says his window is his whole career, ah, we know that it's, you know, in a salary cap environment that may not be the case. Uh, you know, I love the confidence, Joe B., but uh, you got to win now. So to me, this ankle injury is really bothersome because at full strength, this game is a pick em. Um, yeah. Maybe you give Kansas City a little bit of an of a, of a advantage because the game's in Arrowhead or Burrowhead, as the, uh, those crazy <laughs> Bengals fans want to say. Um, but with Patrick Mahomes being a little bit banged up and with Patrick Mahomes not really ha- – like, who is their best playmaker? It might just be Jarek McKinnon, right? He doesn't have – the guy that can take it 70 yards, right? He's got to put a drive together for Kansas City to score. Now, granted, he threw for 5,200 yards, and he threw for, you know, 40-some-odd touchdowns, and he has, he's the MVP, no doubt. But he's got to put some drives together. This isn't like get the ball to Tyreek Hill 10 yards down the field, and Tyreek Hill just whoo, is gone. You're going to have to But have like Samuel, things. Juju and Kelsey can break tackles. They can, but they're not dynamic like Tyreek Hill. So what I'm no, saying is for Kansas City to score, it's going to be, and you want them to run the ball, which I agree, it's going to take five, six, seven, ten play drives, right, which means there's going to be a lot of pressure on uh, Mahomes, and he's going to have to face, you know, those guys, Reeder and Hendrickson and Hubbard and Logan Wilson. Hendrickson and, is uh, coming too, boy. All He's those cats, and, you know, they are a, a, a really bring-the-heat, formidable defense. So I think that this is the one game and this is the one scenario where, you know, against a very good defense and, and with Patrick Mahomes not being quite there, they're going to miss Tyreek Hill, and they're going to miss that showstopper, playmaker. You know, when they won, remember how they won, you know, they, get, they got the ball to Kelsey 14 times. And they're just matriculating the ball down the field. I don't know if you could do that that many times against the Cincinnati defense. So just like I thought that the heat is going to be brought on Brock Purdy, I think they're going to bring the heat on Mahomes. Not so much all-out blitzes, but just enough to make him uncomfortable, to make him move, to make him throw the ball on the run. Now, granted, if there's one person that could do it, it's Patrick Mahomes because he's probably not – the the most fundamentally sound quarterback, but he's so gifted. He's so talented. He could throw three quarters, right? He could throw, you know, behind his head. He could throw across the field, you know, like the, the, the stuff that all the quarterback coaches. No, he, no, can, no, do, no, he no, can do it. He can do it all. I mean, he that he guy can do can it all, right? It. So he's the one guy that you don't worry about making, you know, off balance throws and throwing across his body and throwing off the wrong foot and doing all that stuff. Cause he can do it. He's just that naturally talented. Uh, so he gives them a chance. 
And like I said, I would love to see this, this game at full strength, but because Mahomes is not at full strength and because the Kansas City Chiefs don't have those game showstoppers, uh, they have talented players, but they don't have showstoppers on offense. I think that, that Cincinnati is going to put the pressure on them. They're going to get ahead and they're going to score and score and score. And I don't know, it's funny to say, that I don't know that a Kansas City team can keep up with them. So even though he's the MVP and even though they were great on offense, I just don't think they have enough juice. So I think they're going to lose, I'll say, 33-26. I think they lose by a full touchdown. Kansas City plays from behind all game, and Patrick Mahomes is under pressure and and moving out of the pocket the whole game on that bad ankle. And I think, like you said, Cincinnati Bengals go to their second straight Super Bowl. So they took quite a few years off from 1989 to 2000, uh, I guess it's the 2021 season. Super Bowl played in 2022. They took a little hiatus, but they're back, back to back Super Bowl appearances for them Bengals. So I think. Yeah. And and what's so fascinating about it, they're back with not, the best ownership and there is some luck in the draw of what year do you get the number one pick, right? When you stink, did you stink the year that a all time quarterback like, yep. you know, Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow was the number one pick. And, right. you and know, they, made a, they made a good pick. They, they've been poor in the draft, but remember we, I wanted them to take a uh, Panay Sewell. I wanted them to take the offensive lineman to protect Burrow so they took a gamble and took Jamar Chase. Um, remember, who had sat out that year, basically. No, it was actually the perfect gamble. And I think that they're getting rewarded for it. And for that reason alone, they're going to pay him and keep him. Like you said, they could lose Higgins. I think they might lose Boyd and maybe someone else on defense. I think they want to keep the Higgins-Chase combo because Higgins is so big, you know, and they could go young. They don't want the- too much money, though. Well, yeah, they, we'll see. But I, 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 do, I do think um, the Bengals have also all the momentum. And so this is going to be really fascinating. So kudos for them. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, both these games should be entertaining. But I think, you know, we didn't talk about this off air. So, you know, we both just really feel that the Eagles and the Bengals are the better teams. But we could be geared up for an amazing Super Bowl. So... The one good thing Ray, too about the NFC, yeah, huh? no, I'll, I'll just I'll just close I'll just close on this note. It's not you know you like upsets and you like you know Cinderella stories, and maybe Brock Purdy is that for for San Francisco. But at the end of the day, if you put Buffalo in this picture, so if there were five teams, these are the five best teams in the NFL, right? So we really have a situation where the best teams are playing each other on Championship Weekend. So that's a nice. Oh no! As too. football fans, we can't complain. There's no flukes here. This, these are big boys, and this is legit. And um, and that in itself should make it, you know, exciting and be a, a great, um, you know, sports weekend. So I'm excited for it. So we'll be back um, the Friday before the Super Bowl. So we'll recap all of these awards that we've kind of predicted and. Give some love to the Hall of Fame class that, you know, that's going to be rocking with us. And, um, you know, and then preview Super Bowl 57. 
it, it, you know, saying it out and loud. It's gonna be right? in your in your hook in your neck of the woods. Yes, Rihanna, it is. You know, do it. Apple's doing the halftime show with Rihanna. It's in Glendale. You know, you might have to do some Ray and Tay reporting from the Super Bowl. Send you out Listen, there with a mic. It, it could it could be a little sideline thing. Did you know tickets are going? Oh my God, I, I just couldn't even dream about going. Nine thousand dollars. No, really. Yes. Nine, nine thousand dollars, right? That's You're talking about not even knowing down, the teams yet. You don't even know the teams yeah, yet. Yeah, almost like a down payment for something. Like you're like nine thousand. Gosh. So yeah, I will be enjoying it up in the cribbo. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, nine thousand. You can get a new TV and a new sofa for the game. <laughs> well, that's only one ticket. You're, you're trying to go with your homie, right? That's eighteen oh, thousand. Listen, that's all right. I'll have to hit up Ray for like 20K and have him fly out and we go. So I know you're good for it. So, well, you guys, this has been fun. We both have the Bengals and the Eagles. I think it should be great games. Enjoy the, the games, NFL honors, and we will see you on that Friday, February 10th. Ray and Tay today talking sports with friends. Wow. Have a good one. Enjoy the game.